pillow right here. Yeah, <laughs> pillow just covered. I'm like, ah. Uh, why we're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Welcome to the second episode of the Are We Strangers podcast. I'm Mary, your host, and today we have Sarah. Hi, everybody. My name is Sarah. <laughs> um, so, since you're new, do you want to give like an introduction of yourself yeah. to everyone? Like you could say you're like your name, your grade, major, school, zodiac sign, and things like that. <laughs> okay, so my name is Sara. I am a fourth year, so I'm graduating in a couple months, and I'm over the moon about it. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, I'm currently a guy at UCI. Uh, that we went to school, <laughs> and I study Earth System Science and Philosophy mm. separately, but it's like a weird combo. Very interesting though. Mm. What's your sign? <laughs> I'm a Cancer. Yay! Um, so I brought you on today to talk about astrology and spirituality and religion. Uh, I feel like it's such a cool topic. Like, and like, um. Yesterday, I was actually listening to, like, a podcast or, like, a long YouTube video, and it was, like, this physicist and a Buddhist scholar, and they were talking about their concept of reality and whatnot, and I thought that was so, like, thought-provoking. I think, I mean, a lot of the times spirituality and, like, religion and all that stuff falls really close to philosophy. Mm -hmm. There are entire branches of philosophy dedicated to studying purely religion and it like the overlap is pretty huge i think um but i feel like at the essence it all kind of boils down to something very similar and it's just like what are we really seeking mm. um, yeah do you, is there anything like notable they said that you're like damn that resonates dang huh? they use a lot of like big words <laughs> and i'm like oh <laughs> i do not know what yeah you know what you're, you're saying but uh, i'll probably listen to it again and try to like search up the meaning of the words but i think not like in the content of what they're saying, but the fact that they seem so open-minded to the other person, and it was like an open dialogue, not like disrespecting one another for like, oh, like not believing in mm -hmm. science or things that are grounded in reality. Pe pe yeah, I think um, the Buddhist scholar was actually reading the physicist's book before he came, so it was like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, like he studied his opponent really <laughs> well. Um, and I remember you talking about like, oh, how you got into astrology and whatnot. Like, can you like talk more about yeah. that? I mean, the more I get into it, the more I realize I'm using it kind of as a coping mechanism. Mm. <laughs> I really, Hardcore relate. Yeah, right? I like really started getting into it over like the lockdown part of the pandemic where we were all just like at home. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like going down these Twitter rabbit holes, like reading about stuff. Um, and then I, I like sort of got more familiar with like the signs and things and then I started off reading my family's birth charts and they were like I know you know me really well but some of these things mm. like are really accurate um and you wouldn't know about them like especially with my parents because you know like yeah. parents they don't always tell you everything about themselves mm -hmm. especially from like when they were kids but I would read my mom's birth chart and be like so something probably happened in this area when you were a child and she's like that is actually true and like crazy. but I feel like the majority of that comes from intuition um like I just like also maybe pattern recognition like I see people acting certain ways and I'm like okay I, I feel like if I want to explain this through astrology like it'll really click there's mm -hmm. gonna be an explanation for that you know oh um, I see yeah I think the reason why people get drawn to it or like the way I got drawn into astrology is like get trying to understand myself better too like yeah, it's yeah that's a huge part. and it feels like a shortcut almost mm -hmm. to learning about yourself and and other people when you get their birth charts exactly something I used to say all the time was like it, even if it's not true and whether or not you think it's true is like up to each individual but it is a really great like tool to develop self-awareness because you'll see a lot of like um readings and things like horoscopes that tell you like the good and the bad about certain signs that might be in your birth chart mm -hmm. and even if you don't believe in astrology you might look at that and be like you know what that is something i do um and i should probably like focus on fixing that mm. um and like you can even read horoscopes for other signs and find that they resonate with you even if they're not in your birth chart but like and, and that's what i tell people who like are very skeptical of astrology i'm like it doesn't have like it's just good to see how 
certain actions are perceived and astrology is a really good way to like ease you into that without flat out accusing you of like you have this psychological ailment mm. and like you need to seek therapy you know? yeah it's, like, it's a good way for you to sort of do the work yourself without having other people kind of up in your business that's so yeah. true so like what's your stance on astrology do you think it's real or i i think honestly i have a very agnostic attitude about mm. like spirituality in general um in terms of astrology i feel like it has its merits because there's no way that it like was such a treasured it, it was a science you know in mm-hmm. ancient cultures too yeah. so I don't think that can be easily disregarded about astrology and I feel like people who are too quick to dismiss it are kind of overlooking something and their dismissal can stem from places <laughs> uh, <laughs> can talk about that. yeah <laughs> um, uh, you know something interesting too is a lot of uh, people who are skeptical about astrology start believing in it once you know like romance is at stake Oh, yeah. Especially, like, I've met so many men who were like, you like astrology. That's so, oh, you're so cringe. Like, <laughs> well, and then, and then, like, they're like, okay, like, they'll come to me, like, four weeks later and, like, can you, like, check my compatibility <laughs> oh, with my this God. sign? And I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> but look who's asking me now. Like, you were, you didn't want, you didn't believe in this a yeah, month ago. so true. That's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, it is funny. I feel like when guys go, like, oh, you're you're into astrology, you're into that horoscope thing, mm-hmm. like, try to read me and all that stuff. But I know, <laughs> like, some of them come off a little, like, condescending yeah. like they're judging you for believing Absolutely. in that yeah so much it's like like why yeah like, you do fantasy football <laughs> <laughs> so true <laughs> yeah. yeah like even if it's just a hobby why are you looking down on other people's hobbies you know yeah. but it is i feel like also deeply rooted in misogyny mm. they're just like if i was also into fantasy football they'd be like oh you're one of the guys yeah right? but because astrology <laughs> They just look down on it in general, no matter who's practicing, because they see it as very feminine. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not. It's, like, neutral. Yeah. You don't have to be any type of way to practice or pursue astrology, but mm-hmm. whatever. But in general, I do see more, like, women or female presenting people in spirituality. And yeah. it's like, oh, that's really cool. I think a big part of it has to do with toxic masculinity. And, mm-hmm. like, a lot of men are in denial that they even have emotions. Mm-hmm. And spirituality requires you to really tap into that and like be comfortable like sitting with your feelings mm. and that's something that men don't do um either because they think it's too weak or just because they aren't given the grace and leniency to mm-hmm. um and i think that's a very unfortunate thing and the world would probably be a lot better place yeah. if everyone sort of like calmed down a bit like did some reflection introspection like, oh yeah it'd be so nice <laughs> That's so true. The world would be much more peaceful and hippie-loving. <laughs> Even if it's not, like, you know, you could be, like, a businessman or something, and at the end of the day, you're like, damn, I really shouldn't have scammed that person. <laughs> just, like, yeah. just, like, do some self, you know, self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, it can help you just, like, be kinder and be more aware and also, like, feel more fulfilled with what you're doing because a lot of the time we just go through the motions and do things mindlessly. And I think, you know, astrology can kind of help with that as well, where it's like, why am I doing the things I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I was like shook. I wanted to be a lawyer for a long time. Um, and then I like got into astrology and then I found out that I have a ninth house stellium. And then the, one of the things like the app I use mm-hmm. said was like, you would be really good in law. And I was like, oh, no way. That's <laughs> the what I do. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, mm. mm-hmm. and it's like Gemini like your stelliums in gemini too like communication oh it's like perfect yeah right i don't yeah. i don't want to shut the fuck up <laughs> like, stop talking. we love that <laughs> but yeah i yeah i think i relate to like looking at my horoscope like my birth chart and seeing like the stellium i think when you have a stellium it, it's like easier to read almost because it's such a big emphasis mm-hmm. on that house and once you've got that house down, you're like, oh, I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and also ninth house, I feel like I don't know a crazy amount about it. Mm-hmm. But knowing myself kind of helps me understand, like, when other people have ninth house mm-hmm. stelliums or, like, they just have a lot of ninth house placements in general or, like, maybe sun in the ninth house or whatever. Oh, yeah. um, it h- helps me see, like, what their attitude towards higher education is, like, mm-hmm. their journey with it. Um, I have Mercury, Venus, 
Jupiter and Saturn in my ninth house. Mm-hmm. So lot like everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of ups and downs, like good and bad. You got the planet of luck and then the planet of like karma in there. Yeah. So it's just like shit. Like <laughs> um Yeah. And the the over intellectualizing my love life. <laughs> oh yeah. On point. <laughs> it's a big one, but mm-hmm. fuck it, we've all I think um didn't you have some planets in like the tenth house too? My son is in the tenth house. Oh. Let me see. I feel like I pull up your birth chart. Yeah, right, right now. now. <laughs> like, a couple, like a node or something in there. Um, let's see. I also like learned more about the signs and the placements before I learned about the houses. Mm. So I'm still learning about the houses. But let's see. What's in my tenth house? My sun, midheaven, and north node. Mmm, your north node's in the 10th. Nice. Tell me about the north node. <laughs> I feel like the north node rules, like, this life's destiny. Like, where you're heading towards. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> your career. Fame. Fame. <laughs> yes, accomplishment. So I think it's, like, this life, you're learning more about that. And then the opposite of the 10th house. What is that? Fifth? Is it fifth? Um, shit. Maybe. Anyways, the opposite of that is, like, the south node. And what I read about that is, like, the skills that you have already. So, like, you mastered it in your past life or something like that. The fourth house is the... Oh. Oh, I think it's, it's like, six houses apart or something. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah, because my south node's in my fourth house. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. But I have a couple intercepted houses, so... Oh, yeah. I don't know if that changes anything. (laughs) I think it makes it hard to read. But then... In other, like, I um, consume content from other astrologers, and they're, like, mm-hmm. traditional astrologers or Hellenistic, and they use whole house signs. So intercepted houses, like, don't exactly. do much. And then my stellium changes, like, from 12th house to 1st house. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. Uh, I've never, <laughs> I don't, like, I've never looked at the whole house mm-hmm. Hellenistic system. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I got into other forms of astrology, I feel like my brain would probably explode. <laughs> True. Um, I, I feel like I have to get nice and comfy mm-hmm. with, like, the, like the traditional. And then, what is it called? Like, does it have a name? Tropical? Yeah, I think the one we do is tropical or Western astrology. Oh, <laughs> 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 Yeah, I feel like most people, like, don't believe in astrology because all they read is that, like, typical basic horoscope thing they find online or in magazines, and it's like, nah, like, I don't even consume that. A lot of the time, like, and this is something I've seen a few professional astrologers say, is that, like, even if you are going to read those, like, random ones you find Mm -hmm. online, like, apply your rising instead of your sun. But a lot of people apply their sun. Yeah. And so they feel they're like, this is not me. Like, this mm-hmm. is not up. Um, but, yeah, I feel like... Yeah. yeah. They, they need to learn more about astrology before yeah. judging it so exactly. quickly. Exactly. I would... I know enough about fantasy football to be like, that's dumb. Yeah. You don't know enough about astrology to Mm -hmm. make that conclusion. And if that's the conclusion you come to, that's your prerogative. But, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) learn before you speak. Yeah, literally. Um, You know, when you studied astrology, have you ever, like, come across any certain specific accounts or teachers that you were like, oh, like, the they made it really helpful one of them is like a she's a popular astrologer she goes by milk 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 astrology um and i like her tarot card readings um that's cool she does like youtube videos um where she'll do each modality Mm -hmm. so she'll go like with the cardinals and then she'll do the um mutables mutables and the fixed signs and um, I think it's really cool. I have I don't have any fixed placements in my big six or like the oh. it's all cardinal. So actually, I have mostly mutable because um, my sun and rising are cardinal, and everything else is mutable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watch those two, but I feel like she does a really good job of breaking things down, um, and it's like specific enough to where I'm not like this could apply to literally anybody. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll like reflect and I'll be like, oh shit, like that is actually very <laughs> that that I lived that like three days ago. Wow. So, 
There's like another one on Twitter called like Empress of Atlantis or something. Oh, that's cool. She made like, or she retweeted a thread that apparently March this month is huge for astrology. Yeah, today. I was like, today, what I is think it? It's Venus and Jupiter conjunction in Aries. I'm, I'm like, like ah, oh, yes. Oh God, it's so exciting. And then March 7th, Saturn moves into Pisces. Mm. So in a few days, we're going to see like a lot of... And I think we'll have Pluto into Aquarius. Did that happen already? I don't think so. I feel like that's towards the end of the month. Mars and Cancer is going to oh, be a thing. Oh, too. yeah. Let me find it. I like sent it to 12 different people. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Let me see. So I'm pretty excited for this new era. <laughs> Venus in? I, mine's in Taurus. Okay. I, I yeah. thought, but you're an Aries. Yeah, I'm an Aries yeah. sign. That's like the only fire sign I have. <laughs> I have a fire Mars. Oh. What's your, like, what is it? Sagittarius. Oh, wow. <laughs> How's that play out? <laughs> um, basically, I just use humor when I'm angry. <laughs> just like, I'm making fun of people. <laughs> it's like, that's fun, though okay oh oh my gosh march 16th venus enters taurus um and then let's see oh yeah the 23rd pluto will enter aquarius and then the 25th mars enters cancer pretty exciting oh my gosh uh cancer mars are like inseparable (laughs) (laughs) i mean i only know like one Uh he was like top 10 bad people oh. i know in my oh. life but i feel like that's just because he's like a deeply flawed individual uh, <laughs> not because he has a fucking yeah cancer, but um yeah, yeah I've, I've heard as a cancer myself i know we have passive aggressive tendencies mm-hmm. and then you put that like in mars in mars and you, you just see a, like a whole lot of silent treatment whenever oh like, yeah upset, and i'm like mm. okay <laughs> i do that You're calling me out right here you're like but. one of the few cancers i know though are you like a july cancer yeah. mm, that's cool i don't really know like i know people distinguish between the months but what does that like mean what do you what kind of bearing do you think that has on someone I remember trying to search that up, and it was kind of hard for me, but based on my experience with people that I know that are March Aries, they really don't come off as Aries at all. Like, I really don't see it as much. Are you, you know? March Aries? No, I'm an April Aries. But then I don't seem like I come off like an Aries that much either. I feel like you don't. Yeah, I feel like the Gemini comes out yeah, more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like trying to remember your sign. I was like, Gemini? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's the all the Gemini I have, my rising and moon, mm-hmm. and I think that's just like a like a you've got like several circuses in your yeah head yeah all, it's all the time. chaotic. <laughs> yeah, I'm like in my head all the time. Yeah, and sometimes you just like being there. You're like, hmm, what if I just spiral for fun? Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> And then you know, how how fast can I drag myself out of this spiral? Oh the yeah, question. Mm. that's like the competitive yeah, Aries yeah. coming. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think for me the Aries comes out when like I'm passionate about things. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like oh, I just have so much energy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it is a fire sign. Yeah, and it is a passion. Mm-hmm. Sagittarius can try to be nonchalant, but like, when it yeah, comes down to yeah. It, but Aries doesn't even try to. Yeah, like, that's true. Um, gonna yell. <laughs> I'm gonna yell. The youngest son. Yes, they're the baby. Yeah. Oh my god, so Pisces. <laughs> uh, the oldest. Mm-hmm. My brother is a Pisces. Oh, really? Yeah, he's very mature for his age. Mm. He's also a Gemini moon, Leo rising. I love so. the Gemini moon and yeah. Leo rising. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I was like, I saw um, a thing that was like telling each rising sign what house Saturn is going to be in when it moves into Pisces, mm-hmm. and I think for Leo rising, because it's going to be in the eighth house. Oh wow! Yeah, and so that's a lot. Mm-hmm, that <laughs> for is sure. a lot. Um, it's going to like you know Saturn is slow moving. It's going to stay there for like three years. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I think. I forgot where my Saturn was. Um, but I think it was in the tenth house. Ooh. So if it moves, maybe it's eleven. Oh, I don't know. I gotta look on look <laughs> up, look on that later. But yeah, Saturn's an interesting planet. It really is. It is. I feel like it's like it gives stability, but at the same time, it's like restrictive. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you know what it reminds me of. It's like when your seatbelt gets stuck in the car. It was- 
Oh, <laughs> getting strangled. And so you're like, I know this is here to like keep me safe, and so mm-hmm. I don't like die. Yeah. But like at the same time, like it's stuck and I can't mm-hmm. move. You know? um, so I like, I respect Saturn, but at the same time, I'm just like, girl, can we like yeah, yeah, hurry up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's such like, a mature planet too. So I'm like, as mm. a big fat baby, like yeah. Have you, like, been into, like, synastry charts or, like, have you, like, done any, like, <laughs> compatibility I, and whatnot? So, for other people, I never do, like, a synastry calculator. Mm-hmm. I always just look at their birth charts um, and I'm like, oh, these signs are compatible, these mm-hmm. signs, like, and then I'll try to do the aspects myself, mm-hmm. but, like, I'm not very well versed in that. Um, and it's also hard for me to visualize, like, one chart on top yeah, of the other. Yeah, 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 that's a bit too much. Um, <laughs> but, like, I also feel like if I do a synastry calculator, it's kind of, like, cheating because oh. um, it tells you everything. Oh, and so I'm yeah, just, like, I don't want, true. like, I'm just going to, like, do this acoustically, you know? Oh, like, gonna... dang. So how do you calculate the aspects? Um, you can just, like, look at the relative position between the two mm-hmm. planets in question. And so if they're, like, directly across from mm-hmm. each other versus, like, they're squaring mm-hmm. each other or they're trining or whatever. Um, so, but, like, in terms of which planet is in the other person's house, then that gets a little confusing for mm-hmm. me. Um, but, yeah, I, I also vaguely kind of know about aspects. Like, I know um, oppositions and squares can tend to mean a little more struggle, a mm-hmm. little more, like, to overcome before you get to that resolution, whereas trines can be, like, feeding off of each other's energy. Uh, conjunctions are, like, a mixed bag yeah. because depending on the planets that are conjunct, they can either be very, like, beneficial for each other mm-hmm. or they can be very competitive. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, yeah. a lot to, I guess, consider, and I feel like I'd want to get better at determining aspects and, like, reading other people's. Um, but... Whenever it's like with my like my chart and somebody else's chart, mm-hmm. um, I've done it like three times, um, <laughs> and like two of them were with my friends, and we were just like, "What if for fun we like did this thing?" Yeah, and they kept they were like, "You should have sex." And I was like, <laughs> wait, 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 whoa. Wow, <laughs> calm down. Just because I'm a Libra rising, Gemini Venus. <laughs> oh my gosh, a Gemini Venus. Love that for you. I, every time I tell this to a Taurus Venus, because mm-hmm. I have another friend who's a mm-hmm. Gemini, a Taurus Venus, mm-hmm. and they're like, they, they like, they're like, because you know how Tauruses, they're very like, in a relationship, they want that like, comfort, stability, yeah. they are looking for something a little more significant and long term, if that Taurus placement is very prominent. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when they are in relationships it tends to be like a more dedicated one-on-one kind of thing mm-hmm. whereas like <laughs> not saying that I'm, I'm non-monogamous but like at mm-hmm. the same time i just freaking love to flirt yeah but also i feel like half the stuff i do is not flirting but it's counted as flirting because people think i'm hot and i'm like okay oh, well. yes go, go. <laughs> it's frustrating because it's oh, like really? i didn't do shit but like you laugh at your jokes and now you think i'm oh, in love with you that's so true like, oh my gosh I um, many of the girlies can relate <laughs> yeah like, men are just fucking <laughs> what is this issue with women yeah like, they, they know they, they know. can tell but men Nah. Girl. Go hell. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. like, you look at them, they're like, she's in love with me. <laughs> I'm like, I'll actually gouge my eyes out before I date you, but whatever. Literally. Oh my gosh. Go to hell, girl. That's <laughs> <laughs> how like girls could compliment each other and we'd be good. Like we don't like yeah. expect anything out of that. You yeah. Know? Because they, I feel like it comes from a more genuine place a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but also it's just like in terms of I don't know, I feel like women who pursue other women just tend to be a little bit more in tune with reading the other person that's so true and whereas men are just like i feel like i've dated mostly straight men but like i'm not my first queer person so like we're it's great Mm -hmm. way better because first of all they connect with you on a human level Mm -hmm. whereas men straight men no matter how great they are there is always that egocentric like Mm. seed that always gets in the way yeah and it's it's incredibly frustrating mm-hmm. you know as like a human person but also someone who grew up very feminine um and just like currently exploring gender and like sexual identity mm-hmm. they don't understand at all what it's like to have to question that 
Um, and a lot of the time, if they do question, it comes in the form of like blaming other people. And a lot of this is from my own personal experience, mm-hmm. of course, not generalizing. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but, um, from like the the straight cis men I've interacted with, it's just like, uh, such a drag to have to try <laughs> to explain that. Yeah, like yes, you are the problem a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and it's like we like women have acknowledged that they could be the problem for so long that it's sort of just implicit any conclusion we come to you've already thought about hmm, am i the issue and then ruled it out because you're just like yeah no i've like done xyz and a lot of time women gaslight themselves into thinking that they are the problem too. Mm-hmm. and men are so used to that and being accommodated by women gaslighting mm-hmm. themselves that they like whenever a woman is like you know what maybe not maybe you are the problem mm-hmm they get so frustrated and they're just like no I'm not what are you talking about that's so true oh my gosh I tweeted something once okay I was like <laughs> I deleted it because the person I was dating at the time got very mad at me I was like oh no I can't imagine like being happy with the straight man because they just don't get it a lot of yeah. the times they just like they don't understand what it is I'm thinking or going through or like and like when you're questioning your gender it doesn't always have to be a bad thing but people see it as that. Mm. they're like you're unstable something's wrong like you're whatever i'm like no like you're mm-hmm. that's from your point of view because you don't like to be questioned you don't want your like that is something that would be uncomfortable for you mm-hmm. and for me it might be uncomfortable but it's something i welcome as like a open your mind like yeah this is not the only i mean this is not the only thing there is in the world you know but they don't get it and you know the guy that i was dating at the time like, read it and he got so mad he was oh, like no. that kind of hurts not gonna lie rather than right. questioning why that's the case mm-hmm. he took it so personally he was like um I w- this is not this i'm not happy with this whatever i was like okay girl Dang. i'll delete it but oh my gosh like, you're mad <laughs> and then we broke up like a month later so. uh, makes sense <laughs> got rid of him <laughs> We'd known each other for fucking eight years, bro. Eight years? Eight years, and every year he'd ask me out, every year I'd say no. And oh I was my like, gosh. Past year, I don't know what got into me. I was like, sure. <laughs> it was fine at first, <laughs> and then things happened, so. Mm. Yeah. Did you ever do, like, a synastry with him? Yeah. Oh. There, there was, like, um, like half and half, you know? It was, oh. like, sometimes it was, like, you guys really understand each other. I feel like it, but it, like... The positives were pretty surface level mm-hmm. and then like the the negative things that synastry report highlighted was just like oh you guys um like have deep-seated differences in ideology that like <laughs> will take a lot of work to overcome and i'm like like he wasn't white but he had a very western mentality of family and community and mm. i can't really get around that you know mm-hmm. people have like a hyper individualistic um like mentality and i just can't fuck with that um because it it always means you're gonna prioritize yourself and then whoever can help you and you're not really you don't do things for the sake of helping other people and that's like not a kind of world that i want to live in and i would try to cultivate as best i can like an atmosphere where people come to me no matter how many times they need my help they feel comfortable coming to me because they know i'll always be there no questions Mm -hmm. asked no judgment but like a lot of people don't get that and i do also think that has to do with like how like the gender you were raised as and like if you're a cis but it also specifically if you're a cis man like community is very hard to find because even if you have a close friend group with other cis men you just don't share with each other yeah like like the closest thing you'll do is like you know talk about um like mutual hobbies and interests which Mm -hmm. is for women that's like a starter conversation yeah we met two hours ago and that's what we're on right Mm -hmm. now and then you know in like two weeks we'll we'll know each other very well yeah um and then you know in a year like we will know everything about each other you Mm -hmm. know whereas men can go years and years without ever knowing anything significant about other people Mm -hmm. they're just like why like why (laughs) (laughs) like just get to the point (laughs) yeah yeah and that was like the topic of what I was discussing for my first podcast episode with a guy. And I, he didn't realize that they form their friendships based on interests. Like that yeah. was like something that like blew his mind. And I was like, wow, <laughs> wow. How do, you, how do you not realize that? Like what, uh, what do they think they're picking friends based on? I think 
maybe it's just him maybe he didn't think of that but yeah, yeah. it is interest yeah. and they don't really confide in each other it's it's kind of sad <laughs> Ooh, i saw this thing that was like it was talking about divorce between men and women mm-hmm. and how when um they get divorced women are oftentimes like they end up happier after the divorce versus when men like after the divorce they end up less happy and it's because they that's the one person that they confided in mm-hmm. and they confided in them and so they they put all their eggs in that one basket and now it's like they're divorced they no longer have that person to share with whereas women tend to have a more strong um friendship network yeah um and i'm trying to reconcile this with my image of like um a heterosexual marriage because a lot of the time you'll see the man refer to the woman as like the old ball and chain like Aww. the old hag let me come out finally oh gosh boys night or whatever no <laughs> it's like at the same time they are putting all of like the pressure of their emotional well-being on that person mm-hmm. they don't recognize that though and it's like dude like if you ever get a divorce and that old ball and chain that you supposedly like couldn't stand she's like she's no longer in the picture you're gonna realize how much of a like a gap there is now um sure a lot of tension may have come from that relationship but and that's probably why the fucking divorce mm-hmm. happened in the first place yeah but at the same time <laughs> it's like you had this one person that you could confide in a lot and it shouldn't have been that way you shouldn't have been putting all, all that emotional labor on one person mm-hmm. because you are supposed to share with your family you're supposed to share with your friends and it really helps you work through that and if you have an issue with your partner you should be like having a like a conversation with them and also coming to like a mutual conclusion about things um and women might do that with their partner and also communicate with their friends be like i need advice i need help Mm -hmm. like how do i approach this i have an issue with my partner whereas men might just bottle it up and mm-hmm. be like i can't ask anybody mm-hmm. the hell do i look like asking boys <laughs> for how to like approach the, like they just won't communicate mm-hmm. and first of all a lot of times they are looked down on for communicating so you can't even really i mean i guess you can blame men for that because mm-hmm. <laughs> they created this <laughs> they created this mess um but for i think for young men in general it's like hard for me to place blame on them because it's like I mean, you're very young. Mm-hmm. Your whole experience with expressing yourself, you've been kind of looked down on for it. Um, and then, so now you really don't have the opportunity. But it is, like, incumbent upon you to realize that and figure it out and, mm-hmm. um, like, do the work to become a healthier communicator. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much sense. And when you said, like, for women in general we have like a stronger network stronger like um communicative circle that they could confide in mm-hmm. and i think especially living in america in america individualism like you said is such is like the way we were brought up in like it's very yeah. self-centered it's like very isolating when it gets down to it but then it's like capitalism you know like that whole thing we could go on so yeah. much about capitalism and all that oh, i can't <laughs> getting me started bro <laughs> but i yeah very interesting lots to think about yeah it's always like you know to tie that back into spirituality there is that element of like um introspection mm-hmm. that I mean, a lot of women don't have it either, but, like, I feel like it is most prevalent among queer people because in order to realize that you were queer, there had to be some level mm-hmm. of, like, self-awareness and be like, hmm, something's not right yeah. here. You know, like, I am expressing myself a certain way and it's not aligning with how I actually feel and how I actually want to express. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of straight women, they might be in a position where they're, like, they don't know. Um, but they're a bit scared to upset the balance. Um, and then with, with straight men, it's like that whole thing we talked about. Yeah. Where it's like, first of all, the balance as it stands benefits them in general. So, um, they really have no reason to question it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, 
when it comes to introspection too with men I'm like just like it it doesn't hurt you know Mm -hmm. and I feel like another interesting like component to this is the way uh, certain women react to when men share um, because those certain women might look down like you know when moms are like don't like boys don't cry to their sons yeah there's that like imagine how that woman deals with her husband you know mm-hmm. um and so you know I, I still think the burden falls on the man to like communicate effectively because it is kind of his how do, how do I word this is responsibility too much too strong of a word no I think that's a good like it is his responsibility and it's his like um his place in the world that sort of caused that problem to begin mm-hmm. with um no I'm not on an individual level but the place men take as a collective mm-hmm. um like inhumanity like that's what causes these deep-seated issues with communication and like introspection and like when a problem arises how do we deal with it mm-hmm. um and because I feel like it's always placed on the women to resolve conflict, either by, like, not speaking about it, letting the man blow up and, like, sort of absorbing mm-hmm. that and internalizing it, um, or just by having to diffuse the situation every single time, you know? Yeah. It's just, like, it can be exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. You kind of have to have infinite patience. Mm-hmm. But... It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Working for the greater good, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of these, like bringing it back to spirituality, I feel like a lot of these, I guess, leaders or faces of spirituality, I see a lot of men too. Like even with the po- the podcast video I was listening to about like the Buddhist scholar and the physicist, they were men of the whole, like the whole, the whole, all of them were men so I was like ah it's fascinating to listen to but it's always good to be aware that they're talking through a lens of probably a straight cis men lens it's also so interesting how this field is considered feminine Mm -hmm. but when we look for an expert we always like yeah they bring in men mm-hmm. and it's like That's how so true it's not clicking mm-hmm. you know it very much reminds me to like that thing where misogynists are like a woman's place is in the kitchen and then mm-hmm. you go to a restaurant and all the chefs are men mm-hmm. and it's like okay <laughs> so what did you mean by that <laughs> what you really mean is a That's woman's so place accurate. is one of servitude mm-hmm. you want a woman to be serving mm-hmm. so in a restaurant that means the woman has to be the waitress mm-hmm. in because you know in a restaurant the chefs are the leaders they're the ones who are creating the menu they're the ones who are making it they're being yeah. active in in a household the one who's making the income is the more like active one whereas mm-hmm. despite the hard work that goes into maintaining a household that is seen as a more passive, like, feminine thing. Mm-hmm. And Does that up? No. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the world we live in, unfortunately. Do you think, like, religion, perhaps, like, the mainstream religions probably did something to do for that to happen as well? You know, I, I, don't, I can't tell whether religions were shaped by the existing, like, gender politics at the time mm. or if it's the other way around mm. that religion shaped gender politics because I can't like you know there's a lot of religions that value women over men yeah and we're like oh woman is divine woman is like sacred or whatever mm-hmm. that has its own host of issues in and of itself mm-hmm. um but there are like cultures where you know they're matriarchal you know mm-hmm. like the woman takes there she's the head mm-hmm. um I I do think that it's sort of the first form where um, an existing gender politics sort of shaped how we use religion. Mm. Um, because I'm thinking of Christianity in particular. I can't, and I'm not too well versed with the Bible, but there's nothing to my recollection in there that explicitly says that women are in, like should be in servitude. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
and this is something that is a big problem in many religions what i see most prevalently in christianity because that's what i have most experience with but it's like i see a lot of people twisting the bible and twisting certain parts of it to fit their agendas Mm -hmm. so they will use it to justify bigotry towards women towards queer people towards ethnic minorities and so i i do think that maybe these religions spring up first and like a more pure form and then they will always be used to fit the agenda at the time of whoever is using it so you know you could find it's just basically like making a case mm-hmm. your evidence is the religious text and you can find anything in there to support your argument or to go against it it's just like what are you going to choose basically? Mm-hmm. i like that perspective <laughs> i think that's really cool i didn't think about it like that i always thought that because people use religion as a weapon to like assert the way they think upon other people that I saw religion as like I guess not bad per se but um very constraining yeah yeah I also like there are Christian communities that really value um equity and equality there are parts of the bible where it's like emphasizing how you have to help those in poverty Mm. and how like certain occupations like the tax collector was seen as a very negative one Mm. because you are taking money from those who need it and it it is like oftentimes in a very unjust manner um so i could see a strong case for socialism in the bible um but of course you know there are plenty of capitalists who will use it to defend their worldview mm-hmm. and so i i do think that religion in this day and age has very much been warped to fit the dominant perspective but i think in general the goal of religion is to sort of preach unity and acceptance and tolerance mm-hmm. and the unfortunate truth is that it has been very perverted and changed and used to do the opposite which yeah, <laughs> bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. And since you, like, study philosophy and religion does come into play, right, in your classes? Um, Not to a very strong degree, um, because I haven't taken any classes where it's, like, specifically um, the philosophy of religion. Mm -hmm. But um, I did take one class last spring, and it was basically talking about the relationship between, um, like, space and time Mm. and, um, like, a Zen uh, Buddhist perspective and I thought that was that was one of the most interesting classes <laughs> we didn't even have like a like a assignments or anything we just had like one final project the professor oh. didn't take attendance <gasps> nothing like we didn't even have a canvas page <laughs> what <laughs> like, class is that <laughs> oh my gosh it was like I can't remember the, the course code uh-huh but like like the name yeah but I'll is it philosophy it was it was philosophy but also LPS, the logic and philosophy oh, science. Oh, I see. Which I wish it was a major, because if mm-hmm. it was, I would have majored mm-hmm. that so fast. <laughs> it's only a department, but you can mm-hmm. do like graduate research in that field. Oh, it's cool. really cool. Um, but they, and this is a topic I find deeply interesting, but they talked about like the intersection between um, like science and religion. Mm-hmm. And we did a lot of work with like, what is time? in what way does time move mm-hmm. you know like there's sayings like time is a loop time is a circle time is this time is that time is a cylinder <laughs> time is a spring and i'm like okay Whoa. like um there's so many and i didn't even take notes so like, <laughs> i'm just like just spouting off the top of my head but um we then like like turned gears and started talking a little bit more about like the zen um like circle of life closing that loop um there's like a like a symbol and it's just like a paint stroke um in a circle but it doesn't quite meet and it's like thicker at the top and then like thinner at the Mm, end i think i've Um, seen that yeah yeah and i hope i described it (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. um but it's supposed to represent um like the zen mentality which i'm not going to try to put into words because again i can't can't take take notes (laughs) (laughs) but um <clears throat> so yeah there's just a lot like to think about in that field in particular um 
and I know, you know, I had a, like a two hour long conversation with a professor from last quarter. Wow. And <laughs> one of the things we talked about is um, like, how does religion, how, how close is it to a cult and how close is science to a cult? Mm. Because, uh, I mean, a lot of the characteristics of cults is like, don't question the dogma, like don't. Like, if you want to leave, it's frowned upon. Like, mm-hmm. why Why do you want to leave? There's just a very closed, like, brain... Oh, my God, my phone's, like, going off. Oh, um, it's yours. I was like, who, who, who's hitting me up? <laughs> um, but there's, like, a like a very closed-off mentality where the second you have, like, an outside piece of information, it's seen as a threat. Um, and with religion, I don't know how true that is, but I feel like in certain practices um and this is you can find this in many religions but um you do see that like don't question it don't don't ask anything um any outside information is not true strictly uh it's not welcomed because then you'll have to try to fit it into the worldview you'll have to take it seriously and like analyze it and say it works with our view because xyz or it doesn't work with our view because of xyz um, and sometimes that piece of information will challenge the view in general mm-hmm. and that's where like that threat comes in so the reaction would just be to discard all new information like don't even look at it um, and the thing I think was really interesting was how true is that in science because science is really seen as this like monolithic like invaluable mm-hmm. thing where like you just don't question it like science is true it is like the basis for so much of our stuff, so much yeah. of what we use and do and what we strive for. And the way we operate, every, like all of our structures are based off of science, basically. Um, and by structures, I mean like buildings, but also like mm-hmm. just like the structures yeah. of like university, how we learn, the scientific method, like mm-hmm. all that stuff is seen as like very sacred in this new age. And I think you know, of course, science has, as a scientist myself, mm-hmm. I think science has its limits <laughs> and it's, like, amazing. And I think most, if not all, scientists, real scientists, will recognize that their work has room for error and that when they discover a finding, that is just, like, a drop in the bucket of what they don't know and, like, it's a drop in the bucket of, like, what they're striving to know. This is actually pretty closely tied to what I'm researching for... Um, my thesis oh, that's wow. due in the spring <laughs> and that I have like only three pages of um, but I, I do think like the way I mean I don't think scientists are very good at communicating science in the first place and so they end up resorting to the just trust me it's true mm. um, which is not very effective if, you, <laughs> if I'm being real like why why do I why would I trust you um, I also do think that, you know, just media literacy and academic, like, scientific literacy has gone down a lot, and it's really becoming very difficult to distinguish, like, just, like, clickbaity, like, false articles from, like, actual ones that are based in real stuff versus articles that are half true, but they kind of, like, half-assed mm. the summary of, like, what they're trying to, like, express, so it you draw the wrong conclusion from it um and a lot of these like those kinds of articles tend to be well-intentioned they want to make things digestible but they end up missing the main point mm. um and scientists versus like people who aren't in science i don't know why they're called lay people <laughs> like oh really like the common person like oh. scientists are uncommon but um <laughs> i'm like girl they're everywhere <laughs> what are you talking about mm-hmm. um like if you're really good at chemistry that doesn't mean you'll be good at bio you know Mm -hmm. you might you as a chemist might be a common person to a biologist so Mm -hmm. don't get too (laughs) about it um but you know like there's just a very deep tension between those two groups because the scientists are like they just like purposely misunderstand everything and then the common people are like you're just making things hard for no reason like Mm -hmm. you're just overly complicating using difficult language and it's creating a barrier for us. So do you want us to understand or not? <laughs> and so there's like a, a conflict between these two groups that is not conducive to any kind of learning, to mm-hmm. any kind of expression and communication. Um, and there's like certain people that exploit that tension. And that's where you get a lot of that false information from. 
and they want to capitalize off of that misunderstanding and i'm just like wait 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 everyone stop calm down <laughs> like there's a solution yeah um much to think about yeah that is a lot to think about and i think in modern society science is like untouchable it's like everywhere and it's and it feels like it does feel like a religion now that that you mentioned it because we're not supposed to question it or like if you have slight like concern about something it's dismissed as like oh like yeah. you're you're not believing in science you're like right. you're not trustworthy and you're all just that an stuff idiot. yeah it's like that I am that's why I'm here <laughs> like, yeah um, I feel like a really good example of this is like the whole COVID misinformation mm-hmm. campaign basically mm-hmm. um, and it's gone to the point where like a lot of people now that we're no longer locked down a lot of people are like what even was the point of that and it's like okay you don't know how many lives could have been lost if we hadn't taken those measures and I don't want to know as is we lost enough you Mm -hmm. know but there's just like a lot to think about in terms of you know how quickly we had to um, adapt to the virus and like find like research and find out Mm -hmm. and everyone was like freaking out waiting for new information to come out about uh, COVID and then the, the interesting thing is that science is supposed to change and we're supposed to, you know, refine our um, beliefs and what we think is true the more science we do. But with COVID, the more scientists were like, wait, that's not true. This is true now. The less people mm. trusted them. Yeah. Uh, and I, I understand both. Like, how are you supposed to trust an entity that keeps changing its mind every two seconds? But at the same time, it's also like... This is a, it's called a novel coronavirus. Yeah. Like it's a novel. Uh-huh. Um, so we were all like, and, and like scientists were freaking out, also trying to figure it out too. And so there was just a lot of like panic around it. And now everyone, like no one, I couldn't tell you what's true about it and what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like there's so much murkiness around it because there were two values at odds here. And one of them was just like actual public health and, and safety. And the other one was exploitation and, like, trying to benefit and capitalize mm-hmm. off of that. So, you know, if you want to make as much money as possible off the vaccine, what would you have to tell people? Yeah. Um, and so, you, you know, there's, like, a whole cloud of misinformation where you're just like, I, I mm-hmm. don't know what's true and what's not. Yeah. Um, and even now, you know, there's very little resources for how to deal with COVID if you have it. Um, you know, you don't get a lot of stuff has gone back in person there's still not very many accommodations and that lockdown was an opportunity to sort of reshape everything but Mm -hmm. instead it just kind of got worse yeah so that's so true insane yeah i think i remember being like during the pandemic i remember seeing maybe because i was like on astrology tiktok or something Mm -hmm. like that but it was like people were talking about how like during this time of uncertainty people would seek towards spirituality and astrology more and like that boom like I see it like a lot of famous astrology tiktokers are like blowing up and I see them on my feed like all the time and I think in those times like that seeking like a I guess like a collective support is very important especially when we were just in our cooped up in our homes and it's like detrimental to your mental health to be alone like that for so long i i definitely agree with you and i think you know like a a spiritual online community was a very good community for many people um i also think that time was like you know a lot of people were searching for niches that they could fit into Mm -mm. um i mean that's personally how i got into astrology Mm -hmm. too you know like i knew about it vaguely I was like, this is interesting. <laughs> um, that was like my co-star era. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, co-star. Was, that's like everyone's beginner yeah. app. I, whenever someone's like, hmm, I don't know my chart. Let me check my co-star. I have to refrain from being like, go eat that shit. Yeah, literally. Um, <laughs> but um, I was like starting to get into it. And then, you know, the lockdown happened. And I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's like where the whole coping mechanism yeah. came from, Where I was just like, hmm. 
I just got into an argument with every person in my family. Time to take the transit. Oh, know? that's so true. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, but it's like, yeah, that's not like that's just because you're going insane. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's it's fun to have astrology to rationalize. That mm-hmm. like, well, it's because my my moon was squaring Pluto. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's why I argued with my mom. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's this question that popped up in my mind. Like I know that, like it comes out of nowhere, but um, mm-hmm. I remember like seeing like a topic about this, and it was talking about how is atheism white privilege? And I was like, the first thought was like, I've never heard of that before. And then suddenly I was like, that makes sense. That like that makes so much sense because in a lot of cultural communities back in like during the ancient times or before westernization i don't think atheism was heard of in those communities as much like they all had different religions and spiritual practices that are now like diminishing because of westernization you know and this might piss off a lot of people but I feel like atheism is a spiritual practice, too. Mm. It is, a, like, a belief framework that you're operating in. Yeah. It doesn't come from nowhere. Mm. And so, like, when people are so quick to reject religion, that in itself becomes kind of like a religion. That's and you're just, like, you're, like, just, like, let that sit for a minute because mm-hmm. it's just, like, you know, I, I went, like, through a phase where I was like am I atheist and it's like now I'm like I do believe there's like a higher something Mm -hmm. (laughs) I might not know what it is but there's like I feel like there is something out there you know like Mm. maybe like the universe is sentient or something that that might be closest to what I believe in um but it's just like fascinating to see I, I went through like a period where I was like there is no higher power mm-hmm. everything is purely like it's purely <laughs> empirical yeah and that's like I feel like that's kind of a narrow view to have because even if that is what you believe in it really discredits a lot of other people's like belief systems and for no real reason mm-hmm. it, I feel like it just comes off as condescending for nothing um where and and like i think there's like this this branch of atheism that looks on religion as like backwards and like primitive and there's like if you want to be like smart and intellectual you have to follow (laughs) the science yeah and it's like that's true for certain things but Mm -hmm. tell me exactly how science is going to help me reconcile my grief Mm -hmm. tell me exactly how science is going to help me navigate my interpersonal relationships and it can't mm-hmm. because it's science <laughs> yeah. that tells you about photosynthesis of mm-hmm. trees and things. The closest thing is psychology, and that is still a very new branch. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people trans like uh, transfer their belief from psychology to spirituality. Mm-hmm. The you know psychology might be their first experience with introspection and self, like sitting with yourself and self awareness, and then. You can't rely on it forever because it just gets so clinical and like, yeah. you know? <laughs> you're like, at some point you just have to be like, there is not a, everything is not a mental illness. Like mm-hmm. I'm just feeling human things, mm-hmm. and there is like a very strong tendency in psychology. I feel like to discredit just being a human and call it like anxiety or like yeah. depression, um, and that I feel like that harms people with actual anxiety and depression. And I feel like psychologists are, like, or maybe not, like, the diagnosis, but they call everything, like, some kind of trauma. And a lot of things can be traumatizing, even small mistakes that mm-hmm. happened to you that you were, you really had no part in, that mm-hmm. can be traumatizing. But at the same time, like, if, I feel like there's a huge dependence on psychology, and psychologists are kind of like, bro, I don't know, like, yeah. <laughs> I guess you're traumatized, you know, mm-hmm. where it's just like, maybe, maybe not, maybe you're just reacting to something, you know, that has no roots in anything, this is mm-hmm. a novel experience for you, it may not be triggering anything, you just don't know how to deal with it, and that's valid, you know, that's, that's a thing in and of itself, um, like, not everything can be explained by psychology and it, it ends up getting like really Freudian yeah which everyone ev- like now you know at the time everyone was like ooh like that's something mm-hmm. and then now we're like oh uh, no that guy just like kind of loved his mom too much <laughs> <laughs> like he was like a 
<laughs> literally. Uh, but like, you know, it, it get, I feel like it, when it gets to that point, then people start moving away from psychology. Mm. Or it gets to the point where they're just like saying shit just to like mm-hmm. try to explain it. Yeah. And you're like, I kind of know, I have the tools that psychology can give me. It's time to like branch out and find something else. Um, again, psychology can be very valuable and I think it can be a very good like first step, but I don't think it can solve problems alone. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, you need like sort of a permanent or like a maybe maybe it is permanent like a framework in which to operate uh, and it's very difficult to try to frame everything you do and like over psychoanalyze yourself but that can get that's what i mean when it gets too clinical and mm-hmm. like you're just way too into the weeds with that sometimes you just gotta let it go like yeah be free be like just like take things as they come you know mm-hmm. go with the flow yeah i think you know how you said that oh like a lot of things can be traumatizing and then that i think that's very interesting because i remember listening to another podcast um his name's gabe gabor mate and he was talking about the difference between trauma and a difficult experience that they're two different things Mm -hmm. and that trauma is way more than just a difficult experience i thought that was very interesting that you like came up with that (laughs) like on the point on point too like i was like well i i never thought about it like that i I think there's like um there is a very blurred line because and it's not universal by Mm -hmm. any means like somebody can experience the same exact thing as another person and to them that might be a difficult experience but to that other person that was traumatizing yeah and so it really is on a case-by-case basis and I don't think there's any, like, answer to that. There's nothing that you can be like, okay, so this is how you categorize a difficult experience mm-hmm. from trauma, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, again, it's like the whole pain tolerance analogy where, like, mm-hmm. I might be in absolute shambles over a paper cut and you have, like, a broken arm. Yeah. But they're both injuries, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's like a just give and take sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I like how you brought, like, you said that atheism is, like, a religion itself. And I thought that was really cool. I never <laughs> heard of that before. I, like, hmm. I this is kind of like a revelation moment for me, too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, atheists, like, you could ask them to explain atheism. Mm-hmm. They could. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not going to be like, it's just nothing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is... It's valid in its own ways, um, but there is a very high tendency, again, like I said before, to uh, look down on religion and spirituality in general. That's so true. Um, I feel like a lot of people who turn to atheism had religious trauma. Yeah, (laughs) and that's like a valid way to cope with it. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you put yourself directly into another atmosphere where you could risk? the same kind of like restriction that you felt in your first experience mm-hmm. with religion um but not everyone's experiences are like that and when you're first coming out of that traumatic experience it can be very hard to recognize that yeah um so i know i get it it's <laughs> as someone who had a like a rough time trying to cope with like catholicism and like mm-hmm. just how guilty it makes you feel yes, all the time <laughs> oh my god mm-hmm. you're like <laughs> eating chips like damn <laughs> this is bad yeah. <laughs> like it's just chips girl like calm down it's not that deep mm-hmm. but it can be you know just like allowing yourself to feel pleasure can feel very guilty and you're mm-hmm. just like Damn. Am I supposed to eat oatmeal for the rest of my life? <laughs> I like oatmeal. <laughs> well, okay, well, it's like a, like without anything in it. No oh, yeah, no, no. That's disgusting. Sorry. Right. Sorry to the oatmeal lovers out there. Listen, I'm a big oatmeal fan, <laughs> but I just think that you need to do stuff to it. Yeah. I can but only eat I'm... overnight oatmeals. Overnight oats are good. Yeah, they are. But, okay, okay. Like, like <laughs> a little bit of quick oats, like the hot ones, uh-huh. you put brown sugar, and you put nuts and dried fruits. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a good breakfast food. I've never tried savory oats, but... See, oh, I never tried either. <laughs> so they, like, I was like, oh, <laughs> That's nah. questionable. I have a big question. Literally. Mark. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. 
like looking at myself in the camera like, do i look cute right now <laughs> dang we've talked for a long time it's four D- i know i told you i don't yeah. shut the fuck up <laughs> but, like it was so fun talking to you though like you had so much insightful things Ooh, to say nice man i just be saying shit hoping something lands <laughs> yes so. they all land the, the perks of being a gemini mercury yes oh my gosh yeah that's like perfect <laughs> exalted mercury right right so, so mercury uh, actually i saw someone that was like mercury is actually ruled by jupiter and i was like wait what yeah i don't know they were like making shit up what <laughs> <laughs> i'm confused <laughs> i was like sorry sorry like just try to think of this intuitively i feel like gemini and mercury go so well together yeah and jupiter and sagittarius go so well yeah. together <laughs> um jupiter and pisces i see have a little bit more of a hard time agreeing with that even though that's like the traditional yeah like, rulership mm-hmm. um what is it like they're saying it's like neptune or something yeah it's neptune and modern then, yeah yeah I can see that one, but then for Aquarius, I see that as the Saturn. Like, I know oh, modern yeah. Aquarius is Uranus. Uranus. Yeah. I'm like, nope. Sorry. I'm picking and choosing. <laughs> yes. Pisces, I could see Neptune. Mm-hmm. I cannot see Aquarius. Oh, really? That's fascinating. Yeah. What makes you think it's like rules? The vibe. The vibe. <laughs> we love the vibe. Right. I'm like, yeah. I told you, 90% of like my whenever i read for other people is just intuition Mm, like yeah what i think for other people or like what i think about astrology is intuition and i really want to get into tarot cards Mm -hmm. because i feel like that will help me tap into that i have a tarot deck right now we'll do right like after this (laughs) oh my gosh turn it off (laughs) yeah like (laughs) bye guys (laughs) but after like talking to me for that long are we strangers Sarah. Absolutely not. <laughs> Duh. No. I feel like we vibe so well. We do. Yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you for listening. Because I know of course. I can... No, no, no. I love it. I love it much. when people talk a lot. It'll be hard if you didn't talk. <laughs> You're just like crazy. I like... <laughs> I couldn't think. <laughs> what do we do now? Yeah. Uh, let me try to think of a question real fast. 